I remember something happening, but sometimes I want to say that it didn't happen. But the only thing I do remember is seeing my grandfather and my aunt. May they both rest in peace. Are you saying that you went to heaven? On all the kicks, she don't ever take no lines. Have the one, two, four, five, six. Says she live in Marble Hill, but she chill at Pelham Bay. No hellos or how you feels. All her friends take L O K. Bronx made, 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 Bronx made. Hey, L O K. Welcome to Bronx Girl at Heart, a space where we explore harsh truths about growing up in our 20s and show love to our past while looking towards our future. My name is Bronx Girl at Heart, a.k.a. Alanis. Welcome to episode nine. Thank you guys for joining us once again. As a little heads up, we have a we have a guest here, which I'm going to announce in a second. And we have another guest who's a young friend of ours. It's one of my friends from high school's son is over here. LR is on babysitter duty. So don't mind the background noises um, and the little giggles that you may hear here and there. Um, but our guest for the day is actually someone that I've known for a while. So I'll wait for him to introduce himself in a little bit. But we're going to have a very fun conversation about being young and in love, everybody. So get into your get into your feels. It's gonna be a good one. A few reminders before we really get started. Please remember to follow our podcast Instagram account at Bronx Girl at Heart Podcast. And if you enjoy the podcast today, please leave a comment in the rating and review section of Apple Podcasts, and leave a reply in the Q and A section of Spotify. So today with our lovely guest, who I will let introduce himself in a moment, we will talk about being young and in love. So get ready to get in your feels, guys, but it's going to be a good one. And a few reminders before we really get started. Please remember to follow our podcast Instagram account at Bronx Girl at Heart Podcast. And if you enjoy the podcast today, please leave a comment in the rating and review section of Apple Podcasts. And leave a reply in the Q&A section of Spotify as well. Thank you. So as we typically do around this time, we will start with the sound off. So LR sent me a few sound off topics for me to just go off on. So I'll just quickly go through them. One of them is, it's Gemini season. Reflect on the Geminis in your life. The Geminis. Okay, I have... An experience with one Gemini in college who he was, basically he had, I, you know, we were talking, I guess we had a little situationship, but he had best friends as in female best friends everywhere. And he had one major best friend that they got matching tattoos. They would go on friendship dates. And I was just like, is this your friend or someone that you're hooking up with? And come to find out it was more friends just like this like he would go over to their house and console them he just had too many friends and um I didn't like that so we had to cut him off so I I don't know from my impression I feel like Gemini men you know they could be the life of the party they could be a shoulder to cry on but they might be a little too friendly for my liking in my opinion okay a next sound off item are we settling down this summer or are we having fun? I'm not settling down this summer. I don't know about y'all. Like, I don't know if y'all saw what Young Miami put on Instagram, but it, it is an act bad summer and I am following through. I'm not tied down yet and I'm probably not going to be anytime soon. So we acting bad this summer and we having fun. Let's see another topic. Ice Spice and Taylor Swift collab. How do we feel about this? So I just found out about the Ice Spice and Taylor Swift collab today. 
I haven't even listened to it yet. Our producer, LR, says it's trash, so I'll let him be the judge of that. I don't believe it could be fully trash because, you know, I love our girl Ice Spice and I think she has great taste. But aside from the music, obviously there are benefits to making a song with Taylor Swift. So I'm assuming if the quality of the song isn't there, there probably will be other benefits for Ice Spice and even Taylor Swift. Obviously, it's always a good opportunity for a major pop girly to tap into urban culture. And same thing with a young budding rapper. However, I did see some tea about Taylor Swift's boyfriend or whatever their relationship status is. Apparently, Matt Healy, he's like from the band 1975, and he was heard in a podcast, and this podcast came out, I don't know if it came out, it probably came out like a couple years ago or last year. He was talking about ghetto gaggers and watching that type of pornography, and I did a little bit of research on ghetto gaggers because obviously I don't know what the hell that is. Why would I know what that is? And it is a porn website where they show black women and women of color being brutalized for men's sexual pleasure. And this is Taylor Swift's man? I don't know how I feel about that. And there's also been stories and people have quoted him referring to Ice Spice with... um, I, I I have to pull up the quote, but he referred to Ice Spice as something with a slur. People are saying there's racial innuendos with the way he referred to her. And I cannot believe this is your man. Taylor, what is going on? Why would you be with somebody? I actually found the quote. So I'm reading this from insider.com. And it says this was in the Freelance podcast. Healy and the host made fun of rapper Ice Spice and tried to guess her ethnicity, calling her one of the Inuit Spice Girls, a chubby Chinese lady, and a fucking Eskimo. Uh, huh? Now, it is important to note that in April, Healy offered an apology to Ice Spice and said he doesn't want the rapper to think I'm a dick. But you are a dick. And... Taylor, Tay-Tay, is this what you're co-signing? Your man is literally showing himself to be a bigot by watching disrespectful, disgusting porn and talking about it on a podcast, talking about it. And then he's talking about a girl that he doesn't even know. He's guessing her race and relating her to a chubby Chinese lady and a fucking Eskimo. What's wrong with... What's wrong with being an Eskimo? Like, what the f- Do you even know about that community? I don't know. He just sounds like another ignorant white man to me. And Taylor, this doesn't look good on you either. Um, I don't know. Like, do we feel like this is a reflection on Taylor? Like, I don't think women should be responsible for their men's behavior, but you are responsible for who you choose to date. And now you're doing a collab with Ice Spice, but your man, your man has said these awful things about her. What are you gonna do? I don't even know if Taylor has responded about this, but we're waiting, sis. So those are all of my thoughts in today's sound off. Um, please let me know what you guys think about any of the topics I spoke about today. You know, leave a review, leave a comment, and on Spotify, Apple, all that. Now we can finally introduce our guests. Hi, Yusuf. Hey, Alanis. So I would love to know what borough you're from and tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself as well as share your social media accounts. My name is Yusuf Ali. Um, I'm born and raised in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Mm. Uh, my socials is Al underscore Ghoul. Al Ghoul. Um, it means the demon in Arabic. Um, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for now. Okay, cool. Really good to know. And I've known you for a while. There's been a few guests on this podcast. I, I think I should call this the high school re- the high school reunion show at this point. <laughs> but there's been a few guests on this podcast from my high school years. And you are now added to that list as well. I'm honored. 
<laughs> yeah, so it's really exciting. And something that intrigues me about you is that, well, you you talked about this when we were talking before the show as to how your personality has changed a great deal since high school. So I, I'm not going to speak too much about it. I'll let you speak about it. How would you describe yourself in high school? Personally, in retrospect, I was an asshole. Like, mm. like um, uh, probably because, like, I knew, like, in high school I was a lot heavier. And uh, I knew that nine times out of ten I would be the easiest one to pick on. So what I did was I stayed the obvious. I took pride in how big I was and I'll crack the jokes first. So as in heavy, like, just for the audience to get a picture. So I was 484 pounds okay. in high school. Um, uh, yeah, first of all, I was a size 58 waist. And nine times out of ten, I'd probably be easy prey to bullying. And also, I just don't like bullies at all. So I thought of it as, like, maybe if I was the funny fat guy, mm-hmm. no one would bother me. So, like, mm-hmm. I'd say, like, some wacky shit, like. Like, I remember there was this one kid, um, he was new. He didn't really last that much in journalism, but um, he pulled up, and he was in the school for, like, three weeks, and uh, he was like, oh, y'all really talk to this fat, you know, and, you know, oh, like, y'all really laugh at this fat dude? Mm-hmm. And uh, what you call it, this is where I fucked up, actually. I was like, I know I'm fat. I, I have a mirror. You have a father? Where your father's at? Oh, my God. Turns out he was adopted. Oh. So I felt bad. <laughs> so like, how did you learn he was adopted? That uh, we had a teacher by the name of Ms. D'Souza. She mm-hmm. pulled me to the side. She was like, "Yusef, you can't say that. He's actually adopted." And I was like, "Oof, oof, my bad." I, I went in. I was like, "Yo, I'm sorry, bro." You know, and then, you know, I, I apologized. He laughed it off. I know he was hurting inside, but you know, yeah. I mean, like with all the respect, you know, beginning to meet someone for the first time, you don't go bashing them. Yeah. So, you know, like, relatively in high school, I was a person that, like, I didn't mess with people, but I had an answer mm-hmm. ready. But, like, so what I would, why I saw myself as an asshole was, was I just, I just didn't know when to stop. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to different, differentiate between the time to be serious and the time to be joking around. And I guess it was probably just a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, coping mechanism slash defense mechanism, you know, with my upbringing and what I've been through in life and. Yeah, that's pretty much why I describe myself as an asshole. Now, it's interesting to say you didn't like bullies, but don't you feel like in, cer- in certain moments you may be perceived as a bully? Exactly my point, which is why I define myself as an asshole, because where I thought I was defending myself, I was just being a bully myself, which made me a hypocrite. And if it's something I hate, mm-hmm. it's a hypocrite. Yeah. And what made you realize this? I don't. Honestly, like... Because it takes a lot of self-awareness to... Usually, I feel like people wouldn't notice this until it smacks them in the face somehow. Yeah. No, it didn't smack me in the face at all, actually. Um, I just, like... I just, like, I want, like... As you know, as my previous name was Yusuf from the deli in high school, I used to work at uh, a 24-hour deli with my family business. Mm-hmm. And I would do night shifts and... When it's night shifts in Park Slope, Brooklyn, you don't want... Other than the crackheads that come in and out every now and then. Because Park Slope, Brooklyn at night is not Park Slope. I believe that. It, I get yeah. that. Park Slope yeah. at night is Park Slope how it was in the 70s. Yeah, I remember I would... I mean, you would be on that, like, the main strip of, like, where our school was at. Yeah. And it would be completely safe. But then you'll mm-hmm. turn a corner and I'm like, oh, I don't think this is Park Slope anymore. <laughs> yeah. Let me go back. So, like, I got a lot of old heads that were, like, like quote, unquote the OGs of the 70s and the 80s, and they'll come, oh, when I was your age, this, when I was, you know. So now that they're old and frail, they won't do anything, but mm-hmm. the people they were around would still be there. So like nine times, it was it was pretty bad. It was pretty rough in the nighttime. But other than that, all, all I had was time to reflect on myself and my behaviors, mm-hmm. you know. And when all you have is time to reflect on your behaviors, it's either you choose to replicate behaviors or you break them. What and was that time? Did something stop for you where you had a lot of space to think? So because I was always working 12-hour shifts, it took a toll on my academia. It mm-hmm. took a t- Because although I was passing my exams, I didn't have enough instruction hours. Mm-hmm. So I had like 36 credits. Mm-hmm. By the time I was, you know, like by the time I was ready to graduate, you know, senior year, and I was going to get held back. Mm-hmm. I had all my regents above 80. I passed, you know, the only one that I, I had like a 75 in geometry. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I had all the exams. I did well on my SATs, did well on my AP exams. But I didn't have the class credits. And I was like, all of this, I'm still a failure. That's how I viewed it. Mm-hmm. And whenever I asked for help, and, you know, I don't know if the high school was mentioned before, but I won't mention, I won't give that high school power over me. You yeah. Know? But um, growing, you know, that high school, I felt like, I mean, again, I was working. I chose work. However, it's New York. You need to make a buck somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially in like, in a minority house. I'm from an Arab household and like, we view it as you're a man once you're nine. My okay. first job, I was nine years old. So like, so I had to support myself somehow. So I was working. And like, I came to peace with it. However, again, the academia took a toll and I had this arrogant outlook on life. Like I know like I was hot shit. Turns out I was just shit mm-hmm. basically because yes, I was quote unquote intelligent or in the words of some teachers, 99.9 or sometimes they'll say the gift of gab. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to apply myself because I was always tired from working a 12 hour shift mm-hmm. and I'd be late. I'd probably show up by th- my third period latest and that's two periods of instruction time. So I was like that, that was level one mm-hmm. of like the realization like, yo, yeah, you crack jokes. Yeah, you're one of the funny guys in the school. But they're all going to four-year colleges, whereas you're probably going to be right back here next year. Mm-hmm. You know? And you know, that that was level one. Level two, um, when I wasn't going to prom. I didn't go to the senior trip. didn't go to prom. I wasn't going to go to prom, actually. But that's more about the love story. Right? We'll get back to that soon. Because I did end up going to prom. Yeah. But for a special someone. Um, but yeah, so like that was another one. And level three, I just noticed that like life goes on. And if I want to enjoy the best out of life, it's up to me. No one else. No one's going to do the work but you. Mm-hmm. So I had to reflect on myself, see what behaviors I wanted to change. And that's how it started. There's a lot more to it though. But yeah. In, in regards to our conversation later on, it has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, and what Yusuf is hinting at is what we'll talk about, which is being in love at a young age and what love can do for your life. And he's been in a relationship that I've seen him be very public about in recent years, and I'm intrigued about it. So we're going to talk about that um, because I know we talk about hot girl summer acting bad, like I said, you know, but I still (laughs) believe that true love exists, you know, so I think stories like this are great for us to put out there. Um, going back to what you were talking about, which about being Arab and being considered a man at nine, did you express to your family the academic struggles that you were having and what were what was their response? They expected me to work with it. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, and like, which is another topic trade about some Arab households They're like, hey, this kid's doing this, 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 this. You should be doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, which is pretty much the same in Latino households. Nine times out of ten, they're going to be like, oh, pero mira tu primo. Like, mm-hmm. oh, look at your cousin, look at this, mm-hmm. look at that. And you live a lot being compared mm-hmm. and not being highlighted for what you are. Rather than being accepted and appreciated for what you do and what you are, you're compared and contrasted to what you don't. So that was the, you know, I told them, hey, I got it, you know, and nine times out of ten, they were very hard on me. They were like, hey, you can't be doing these kind of grades. You got to work on I was like, how do you guys want me to work? And to excel. My first class is at 8.15, yet I'm out of Delhi at 3 a.m. Mm. That's almost, that's, you know, like, and they're like, oh, make it work. And then I'm like, all right, then I'm, I'm going to leave the Delhi. And then they're like, you better find a job. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Mm. So they respond, you know, like my mom, of course, she was very, like, she was a little more lenient. But the very next day she'll ask for a certain amount of money and I'm not bagging on my parents. I love them. And you know, like they've, they helped me a lot. They've given me a lot, but they've also taught me a lot, mm-hmm. both negative and positive. And like, which is why I'm at the space I'm in now, which I'm pretty proud of, you know, but like, and I'm using a lot of filler words. However, when it comes to like their response, they weren't as accepting. They were very, Oh, everybody has to work. This is America. That's the American dream. There's no white picket fence. It's you work. You work, 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 work. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I mean, working in the deli, I was working 70 hours a week. No social life at all. I, w- I literally went from home, work, school, home, work, school. Mm-hmm. I'd hang out with a few friends after school for like, what, 
20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Probably by Smiley's Pizza or Tex-Mex. <laughs> you know? Tex-Mex. We have so many memories at Tex-Mex. You know, I'll go chill at the Barnes & Noble, read a couple of mangas. You know, and then I'd have to go to work. That's it. What do you think that did to your development, being a teenager and just working, getting so few hours of sleep, and constantly being compared to other kids? Do you feel like that affected how you are socially now? Not socially. Because being in a business, Mm -hmm. I was surrounded by mostly adults. Most of my customers were adults. Most of my customers were my teachers Mm -hmm. coming in drunk, buying six packs and cigarettes. (laughs) So I knew them as customers before they knew me as a student. Yeah. Um, You know, so like, and some of them lived in the area. So like, it, it was kind of a shock. Not a shock, but like, it was an interesting dynamic because... I was always told I was, you know, growing up too smart for my own good or too mature for my age or, you know, and that's something I also hated hearing, too smart for your own good. I hear it a lot. And uh, I guess when it comes to the effect socially, now that I'm a little older, I can understand why they said I was too smart for my own good Mm. because there were some things that as a child you just shouldn't understand that you should learn later in life. It's a sad but, you know, hard truth. Personally, that's what I think. There are some things that you should learn later in life, not as a child, you know? A hundred percent. Facts. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, socially, it did well, actually. it. I was able to speak on things that most kids my age wouldn't be able to speak on. I was able to get political and still remain, you know, like, still keep my composure. I was able to speak intellectually with college professors, mm-hmm. doctors even most of my customers and like some of them were and this is like in a again during the day it's a higher end of park slope during the night it's not so much so the daytime customers they were like you know very nine to five mm-hmm. doctors lawyers and i was i was able to chop it up talk to them about random things i was able to code switch a lot mm-hmm. and uh and then i was able to go right back to school and just talk about stupid shit mm-hmm. rap battle with Tyreek and Khalil and people you know like a lot of people in you know like in school, I was able to be a kid mm-hmm. so in high school I guess I was able to be that ignorant child mm-hmm. whereas at 3 o'clock I had to turn to a man real quick and man in the eyes of an Arab family like, you know like someone who works hard and goes home that's it yeah so yeah I feel like it gave you a lot of street smarts. So maybe in those academic hours that you lost, you gained some other education, which can be very valuable as well. Yes. That's, I that's, agree. That's so interesting. And we can talk about that for hours. Yeah. But let's get messy now. Okay. <laughs> We're getting to Casa Confessions. So as a reminder for the audience and to Yusuf, this is where I ask... Four to six, around there, mild to out-of-pocket questions. And guests can opt out of a question by taking a shot of Casamigos. Um, usually, our guests take a shot before us, uh, before we start with the questions. But Yusuf will not be drinking today because he is a very respectful citizen um, or whatever. So I'm <laughs> going to take a shot before we get started. I will... I will pour it myself. Give me a second, guys. Don't ask me why I'm drinking around kids. LR is on babysitter duty, not me. (laughs) I chased doing you justice. (laughs) The chaser, yeah. I'm sorry. I saw this girl on on IG today. She was like, she was like, we chase dreams, not drinks, ho. And I'm like, all right, I'm not at your level yet. I'm sorry. So let's get started for Casa Confessions now that I'm warm and toasty. My first question to you is, what's the freakiest thing you've done with your current girlfriend? Mi amor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I've made it my mission that every family house of hers that we visit, I get a nut. <laughs> so there are houses in out of <laughs> across seas overseas 
in the U.S. borders, like there are houses that has every, a trace of Yusuf somewhere. Oh Lord! Couple cookies here and there, you know. Um, that's one, and I guess probably the Brooklyn Bridge Park bathroom. That's it. We're pretty calm. And <laughs> Brooklyn Bridge Park bathroom is that even a good like public bathroom? It no. it, it is actually. I don't know where it is. Um, you know, like, right by the, like, alright, so this is the pier, this is the ferry, and, like, there's, like, this little bougie little bar slash restaurant type shit. Yeah. So that bathroom, <gasps> that one. The, the the woman's bathroom, specifically. Yeah. Oh, so it was, like, spacious and clean? Very. It is very okay. Handicapped. Handicapped. Oh. Handicapped stole. So you... <laughs> so, if you were cri- so if you were crippled, you had to wait. If anyone has been to the Brooklyn Bridge <laughs> Park public bathroom recently... The handicapped bathroom or the disabled. I'm sorry. I'm not sure which whichever is the correct term. If anyone has been in that bathroom, just know that you've probably been inhaling some of <laughs> some of Yusuf's body fluids. I, I mean, honestly, and probably a lot of people's body fluids. Like, it's a public bathroom. So, and damn, every family member's house that most you guys visited? Most of them, yeah. Oh, my God. Even, uh, we, we actually had makeup sex in one of their houses. <laughs> Like, we had a whole argument during the vacation, and then was like, you know what? I love you. Like, I love you, too. You toxic bitch. And then we just went at it. Couples are mm. nasty. <laughs> um, um, mm-hmm. As a big boy, okay. what can you do sexually that skinny boys can't? I wouldn't say, like, I, I mean, I wouldn't say anything, like, I mean, as a big boy, I guess I'm a giver. <laughs> you know, like, uh, what do you yeah. mean? As a big boy, you're a giver. As a big boy, I'm a giver. So, like, I guess, like, uh, all right, since we getting saucy, <laughs> um, for, uh, kind of lingus, eating the cooch, eating the cooch. <laughs> like, I'm a lot more generous with that. I'm a munch, but you okay, How, you're exactly. A munch. There's no other, there's nothing that I don't do. That skinny guys don't do. So I you guess. think big boys are? They I don't like, know. They're they're more they're eaters is what you're saying in all in, in all, all aspects. In yes. all aspects makes sense. And if you say no, you're a fucking liar. Makes sense. Yeah. What's the sexiest thing about you, Yusuf? It would be rather narcissistic to say myself. Everything about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that's not narcissistic. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. I'll just say what I heard Sherry tell me. She said the sexiest thing about me is when I don't have it low trimmed, my beard and my eyes. I guess that's it. So when you have your beard a little a fluffier little and your eyes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Name a celebrity you would cheat on your girlfriend with if she gave you a hall pass. Twenty nineteen Doja Cat. <laughs> So that was thick Doja. Thick Doja. That was before the Keep it juicy juicy like thick Joseph. Before the psychosis Doja. Yeah. Before the shaved eyebrows. Like you got Even though she's been She's still looks. slaying, serving, serving yes. cunt like for like for real. Wait, can I say that word? <laughs> serving what? Cunt, I don't know. Cunt, like, yeah, that's fine. Like ally. You cunt, know, like yeah. Saying. If you're like if you're saying it in a gay positive way, like per, cunty, big per, per yes, exactly. No, no pun intended. I just noticed Doja Cat per. Okay, yeah, but yeah, 2019 Doja Cat for a fact. Okay, and is your girlfriend? We've aware had of this. this? Con- yes, we've had this conversation okay. many so times. So she's not gonna beat her ass after no, this. No, I know for a fact she would fold like origami for fucking Bad Bunny, and that's a handsome man. I can admit it. How do you feel knowing this? That at the drop of a hat, if your girlfriend had the opportunity, she would fuck Bad Bunny. Shut up. Like honestly, I'll drop. For Doja Cat, 2019 Doja Cat, same shit. <laughs> same shit. <laughs> Fold. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. So hall passes are a real thing. Okay? Now, hold on. I am a straight male. <laughs> However, Bad Bunny's a handsome man. Yeah. She has two hall passes, actually. Her her second hall pass is Brett Man Rock. Brett Man Rock? Yeah, even though he's gay. I don't even think he goes that way, so you're fine. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Facts. I'm safe. Okay. I was going to be Please go ahead. LR is about to be racist. I think she was gonna say Romeo Santos. I don't know why. <laughs> nah, I'll, nah, hold on, hold on. You wanted something. We went to Madame Two Swords once, and she went to the wax figure of Romeo Santos, and she was a little too friendly. 
I'm gonna take her ass again just to go to, just to go to <laughs> Megan. Oh, Megan the Stallion. That was my second hall pass. Okay. Megan the Stallion. I see a common thread in Very these choices. So. Okay. Very much so. A lot of ass. Claro que sí. Well, you made it through. All right. Casa Confessions. Casa. Oh, wow. Our next segment is show and tell. So this is where we have our guests share a skill or interest that they have. Guests can also perform, demonstrate something, tell a story, mm-hmm. or you can share a cool memory with your girlfriend. Can I do both? Of course, do it all. Okay, so like, personally, those who of you who know me in high school, I like to do impressions and voices. Yes, I do remember you doing this. Yeah, and that's another thing that I regret. Like, I regret, <laughs> because some of them were obnoxious. Very obnoxious. Okay. Like, but, um, hey, when it comes to the art of acting... Sometimes you got to be, you know, you got to ruffle some feathers, you know. Um, I, I always wanted to get into voice acting. It's one of my biggest fantasies. If I was able to break any type of barrier when it comes to my family, it would be to, which I already did, leave the deli business, of course, but leave a job and just do what I love, which is voice, like voices. Yeah. Um, there would be times where, okay, so this is, I guess this would be a performance. There would be times where schools would call my house to say that I missed first, second, and third period. And I would just do a random accent just to throw them off. It'll be, um, I can't say the name. Can I say the name? Can who, I? Who is the person? What's the role? Um, parent coordinator, same red wig since freshman year. <laughs> she would call like, yeah, hi, hello. This is uh, Miss <laughs> something something from from journalism. And I am uh, just, you know, I wanted to talk because uh, Youssef hasn't come in for class. And I just wanted to speak to the parents. Is this Mr. Alkabani's parents? And I would say, no, hello, this is Dimitri Vaskanov. And, uh, you know, I would just talk with a random Russian accent. Rather, re- I would speak with Russian accent. Or I would just talk like this and just be, you know, a random white lady. And I would just completely change the voice. Or, or my favorite was able to talk like this. Because you can't really pinpoint. I can be Southeast Asian. I can be Indian. I can be Pakistani. I can be Bengali. So my Bengali friends, I love you. Please. I know y'all got beef with them. I love y'all. Um, but like, no, like I would just change the voice or, um, I would first just, of all class for those right? accents. Cause that was so good. Especially, yeah, I don't right? know the, the Valley white man. Oh, I think you did white, that one. Oh, what? That's or, my favorite one. That, that was like a white man accent that you white, did. Right? Oh, no, 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 the white man is very different. The <laughs> white man is like, there's different. There's, um, so, I thought you did a gay white man earlier. No, this is more like <laughs> that a gives gay girl. white man. I mean, if it gives my, my voice is a lot deeper. <laughs> Since being uh, intubated, we'll get into that later. Yes. Um, which is, uh, but like, uh, so I, that used to be a valley girl because most of my customers at night would be like drunk white ladies after the old heads would go home, like around this, like around 3, 4 a.m. People are coming to their senses. They're sobering up. White girl wasted. So one would put it. So they'd be like, yeah, can I please get? And they'd have the weirdest deli requests oh no what, yeah what's a white girl a drunk white girl's deli request let me get toasted on rye deli mustard just say brown mustard you fucking uncultured <laughs> swine <laughs> deli mustard i want turkey salami peanut butter with pickles no way lots and lots of pickles and i'm like okay turkey salami mustard and pickles turkey salami must- mustard Peanut butter and pickles. That's disgusting. Very much so. Uh, but uh, no, so like, so I was able to like replicate those voices. I would just take voices I would hear at work and take them to school or take them home. Yeah. And one of my biggest inspirations, Robin Williams, may he rest in peace. I remember when he offed himself, I locked myself in a room, didn't speak to nobody. It Not hit me hard. Not himself. Rest in peace Rest to Robin in peace. Williams. Like it broke my heart. Like he's a huge inspiration He's the first person that did something Arab-based that we weren't terrorists, you know? His work as the genie, he actually did research, like the concept of salam, which means peace. So it was pretty nice. It's not the perfect representation, but I'd rather that than some, you know, like someone drinking alcohol during Ramadan. Like, that's like, you know? Yeah. Or Netflix's obsession with calling the hijab oppression. A hijab of what? The hijab. So in every Netflix movie where it's a Muslim girl, it's always her taking off her hijab and like, you know, popping out with some random white guy that's a jock. I'm like, yo, that's not freedom, you know? Like, Oh, they, they s- act like she was somehow imprisoned by her hijab. Exactly. When it's no different than a nun. Yeah. You know? But enough with the 
touchy subjects like that. You know, I don't want, I want this to stay on Spotify. No, let's get in the touchy Let's get into, okay. let's get into it. But yeah, so I've, I've noticed that, I've noticed that when it comes to like a certain, some, some certain types of representation and Robin Williams did great for me as a child. I love it. I love the original Adam. I love it to this day. That's awesome. So when it comes to voice acting, Robin Williams is a huge inspiration. Amazing. And we loved your impressions. So now we're going to move on to our main topic, which is about being young and in love. Okay. You you talked a little bit about your girlfriend. I want to know, what was your perspective on love before your current relationship versus now? Didn't believe in it. Wow. I thought I'd be shipped off to a... Although we don't do, like, not, we, we don't all do arranged marriages. So, so people, when people think of the concept of arranged marriages, they immediately think from birth. Mm-hmm. That's, could, I mean, in some, and this is going to sound pretty uh, fucked up, but from the poorer classes, because most of the Middle East runs on social class, mm-hmm. right? And again, in retrospect, Yemen, like, we, like, not all, like, so we run on social classes, one could be a hillbilly, one could be a prince. At the end of the day, I still, you know, like, we, we're very big on reputation and social class. Mm-hmm. I don't see the difference. Some people do. So if you're, like, poor and you're going through it, you, you'll have an arranged marriage with a agreed-upon dowry. There's a lot to it. And, you know, so I thought I was going to just end up with, like, a girl of my mother's choosing. Like, oh, Habibi, come try her. She's very good for you. Go ahead. You know, she's pretty, blah, blah, blah. She'll cook for you. That's what I thought I'd end up with. I thought I'd end up with a run-of-the-mill Middle Eastern woman, not necessarily Yemeni, you know, but, like, I just thought I'd have it given to me. And I didn't like that concept, actually. As much as I thought that that would happen, which happens to most of us, I just didn't like that concept. I was like, if I can't choose the woman I love, how can I choose anything serious in life? Because mm. love is... This is going to sound corny, but love is integral to one's life. Love is very integral, and if you can't choose the one you love... How can you choose the things you hate, the things you don't like, the things you, you know, if you can't choose what you love, you can't choose the things you don't love. Yeah. Well, I don't really, I guess the most I know about arranged marriage is what my Indian friends have told me and what I've seen on TV. However, I do know that there's this concept that love can grow. So maybe you can start off as strangers, but love is, isn't just a feeling, right? It's, in my opinion, it's rooted in commitment and action. Yes. So in that sense, love can be created and built between two people as well. Yeah, you can learn to love. I do agree, because my mother and father, that was an arranged marriage. Okay. They learned to love each other. But we also have to consider the aspects of the different generations that came before us. So before... They couldn't be independent women or bad bitches, but have hot, you know, hot girl summers and just go on Tinder and, you know, keep swiping. Can't relate. You know, <laughs> right? But uh, this is like, let's say, circa 1983 to the 90s. Yeah. Right to the early 90s. They could, you know, they didn't have that. You know, it was a lot harder to cheat. Yes. <laughs> a lot harder to cheat. You'd be surprised. And uh, so, like, um, it was a lot easier for them to learn to love someone because you truly did accept their flaws. Mm-hmm. For example, and this is not between, well, like, like just love in general. Like, it could be between men and women or just something platonic or even something family. There's a reason why there's one Theo on the barbecue that no one's allowed to go around, <laughs> you know? That's disgusting, by the way. It's very disgusting, but that's, the con- that's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is back then, that generation was taught to, hey, if we don't acknowledge it, it's not there. So, like... That generation was taught to not acknowledge things. And I guess it wouldn't be there. Um, a lot of women probably went through... And this is not me. This is just me speaking in a general sense. Not like all women. But a lot of women back then would probably be... like To this day, some people are. Some women are. Victims of domestic abuse. But they're like, oh, he loves me. Mm-hmm. You know, they're taught to deal with it. Be a... You know be what they conceive as a woman, mm-hmm. what they perceive as a woman. That's what I was looking for. So I guess although we're taught to, you know, we, you can learn to love. I've seen it happen between my mother and father. But there's a lot of arranged marriages that I'll see like, oh, yeah, she wasn't my first option. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can say that out loud in front of her, I'm like, eh. If I was to say that, Sherry, I'll get slapped. Yeah. 
And I'm like, to oh, you, motherfucker, you was my first option, <laughs> you know? To you, love was important for you to choose. And that's yeah. fair, because I feel like that's the way it is for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your religion and your political beliefs or your family history has impacted your relationship. I guess now this might be a good point to mention that you are actually in an intercultural relationship. So I guess in your response, you can tie it. Interracial as well, I guess. Yeah. Interracial, interracial interfaith. Yes. In in your response, you can talk about all of that and what the different backgrounds in your relationship are and if there's ever been any any conflicts when it comes to blending those two. There's been a lot. And let me just preface this by the secret to a good relationship is the three C's. I know it sounds corny, but it works for me. Communication, comprehension, and compromise. Communication means nothing without comprehension. If you don't understand what's being communicated, it's not going to be there. Compromise, sometimes you got to swallow the pill. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Even when you're right, you have to think, is this argument worth being able to say, like, aha, I won that argument, but she's not there in your life no more. If you really love shorty or if you really love the dude you'd swallow that pill so th- th- those are the three c's and i know my side of the family for a fact has given a lot of conflict because i'll be honest she doesn't come to my house as much my mom always has an excuse and i know that puts a strain because i have a safe space to get away from my toxic household she doesn't have a safe space to get out of hers mm-hmm so I'd have to take her out, spend like mad bread. And I don't mind spending the bread. Money means nothing to me when it comes to her. Um, but I guess it would be like, that's one thing. Like also, again, since we're so reputation based, the first thing was, oh, like at first, now my mom's a little more lenient. She'll be like, oh, like when are you going to invite her to come over? So I can, but it's also prefaced by wife duties. Oh, I can teach you how to cook this. I can teach you how to cook that. But then I get that my mom is sick and she's like, she's, she's pretty sickly and she wants to make sure I'll be taken care of when she passes a light, you know, may, may God lengthen her life and give yes. her a very beautiful life. But, um, no one wants to be invited over just to be taught how to cook. That's literally saying, oh, I think you can't cook. Let mm-hmm. me teach you. Yeah. You know, but that's not how my mom thinks, but I know that's probably how my girl would perceive it because no one's going to like really, you know, oh, why now? You know, it's been five years we've been together. Mm-hmm. Why now? You know? Mm-hmm. My mom had a lot, needed a lot of time to accustom to, like, get accustomed to it. So I know for a fact my side of the family and culture mm. kind of puts a strain on it because you yourself as a Dominican woman, yeah, you, know, and you guys are mad. Laid and your back. girlfriend you is cool. Dominican, by the way. Yes, my girlfriend is Dominican. Um, so like, which her family has been nothing but welcoming. I mean, of course, it's going to be, you know, like gossiping. Yes. You know, and that's fine. It comes with anything. It can, anyone would gossip. You know, and when I first met them, again, I was 480 plus. You know, they've seen me through my weight loss, which I am not 250, by the way. Um, Ooh, per- most of that from 484 to 250. Yes. Most of it is loose skin right now. I have like 30 pounds of loose skin. Once I get, I'll be 220, you know, and that'll be nice. Yeah. You know, the BBL is going to be crazy. <laughs> Snatched. No, I'm so proud hide of you. Hide your man, hide your girl, hide your... <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm putting them all back because I'm loyal. But um, <laughs> but if I'm being honest, like, when it comes to the difference in cultures, like, the first, like, I remember being offered a beer. And, you know, Muslims don't drink. You know? Mm-hmm. So... Wink, wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> right? And, um, you know, because I know some, you know, like... I know some Muslims like, yo, I'm not eating pork, but best believe they smoking and drinking, you know? Yeah. But uh, it's just like, so the first thing was offered to me was pernil and a beer. And I said, no. And then she was like, well, you know, like, oh, okay, well, just different. They weren't, you know, they weren't accustomed to that. Thanksgiving, you know, like they always have a chuleta with rice. Mm-hmm. Not on Thanksgiving, but like everyday chuleta with rice. Or they'd have a big pernil on Thanksgiving. So what, what I do respect is the fact that they would, like, change their diet. They didn't have to do that at all. Mm-hmm. But they made me feel safe, like, going to a house where, you know, like, they didn't have, they didn't have to do that. They started... So they started uh, eating more poultry okay. and beef and fish, and that was pretty cool. You know, I saw the dynamic change, you know, because, like, like, my girl herself, she says she's not a big fan of pork. But if she sees a good pernit, she's going to have to fuck it up. Of course. You know? And, uh, and I, which I respect. That's fine. I again, she's not Muslim. She doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Which 
brings me to my next point. Um, a lot of questions I do get when I come, oh, does she have to convert? That was a, that was the first question her mother asked me. She said, if she, you know, comes with you, does she have to put on the hijab? I said, no, she doesn't. I fell in love with her without the hijab. Why would I force it on her now? Yeah. And personally, I've done soul searching myself. I chose, when I say I chose to stay Muslim, I chose to stay Muslim. Although I was born in a Muslim household, I did my research. I read all three monotheistic books in chronological order with all due respect. This is going to be a little of a hot seat, but that's fine. If it works for you, that's you. But me, I saw that there was science based in the Quran. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, no other book has this. And you didn't see science based in the no. Bible example, or the Torah? No, the Torah, I didn't see science at all. Uh, the Bible, personally to me, has been changed thousands of times. Different translations. A lot of them got lost in translation. However, what I do believe wholly, like as a whole idea, all three, we're just cousins that pray different. I'm not a religious person, to be honest. But when I chose to like study it, I chose to study all three and I chose to say Muslim. Yeah. And just to recap, so Yusuf, you are a Muslim man from yes. an Arabic background, Yemeni specifically, yes. and your girlfriend is Dominican. Dominican. And it, what is her religious background? So it's pretty confusing because although they come from a Catholic family, her mother went to Pentecostalism. Okay. You know, the farda, you know, the you know, the skirts and everything. <laughs> but her mom doesn't do all that. She's not like as serious, but like um you know, so that's what I always found interesting because although she was very welcoming, a lot of the people in the Pentecostal church would say some things that are kind of like suggestive towards Muslims and mm -hmm. a little thing like a little like ignorant things. Okay. Like um, what are some ignorant things that you've like, heard from you know, the Pentecostal they'll, people? Uh, they'll ask very like stupid questions, like stuff that doesn't have to do with us. The, for some reason, they assume that all Muslims are Indian. So like they'll confuse us with Sikhs. Mm. Um, or like they'll ask me questions that have to do with Judaism rather than Islam. So just a general ignorance. Yeah, general ignorance. Okay. Nine times out of ten, it was never... Like very rarely, mm. I would get... Ignorance with intent, you know, mm -hmm. like, like bad ignorance, very rarely, but it, it has happened. So like, what is the worst thing that you've heard having to deal with your intercultural interfaith relationship? On both sides, I would. All right. So from my side, when um, I was in the ICU for about three months, uh, long story short, and I'm so sorry, by the way, but no, yes, if you can give a quick Long explanation. Um, I had another awakening in high school towards senior year, and I just wasn't happy with the person I saw in the mirror. I, again, 480 plus, I just went on a crash diet, which I was intermittent fasting for seven days a week and working out at the same time, only having one meal a day out, wow. of, seven out of those seven days. I dropped about 80 pounds within three months. That is intense. And everyone listening to this, this is not an instruction. This is not an instruction. Wait, do hold on. Do not do this. Do not do this at all. I was literally declared dead twice on the table. I do not encourage this at all. Please speak to a nutrition, get an actual diet plan, and choose yourself over clothes. Choose yourself over image. It is serious because I have mental issues now because of this weight loss. Wow. I, this is not an instruction. Do you mind sharing what are some of the mental issues? I have body that? dysmorphia. So okay. I don't see the Yusuf you see right here. I see high school Yusuf. Yeah. I see 484 Yusuf. Wow. I see size 58 Yusuf. I see second chin Yusuf. And it hits me a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> it hits me a lot because like, I'm a size 40 now. I, I can wear unique low. Yes, that's great. But okay. at what cost? Yeah. You know, I almost died. Well, I did die. Um, and we'll get into that later. But uh, so... When it comes to this, I don't I don't instruct anyone. Get a dietitian, get a nutrition plan. Explore healthier lifestyles. Don't do anything that I did. So I, I what I did was a very a very hard intermittent fasting diet, working out at the same time. I was the most confusing fat person ever. In the face, I was skinny as hell, but I was still round as heck. Like I literally looked like an engagement ring. It was bad. <laughs> like, no. don't make me laugh. <laughs> sorry. Again, bad coping mechanism. Um, the jokes. Uh, so then after that, I did a gastric bypass. 
I lost another 120 pounds. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm losing weight. I'm fitting in clothes. But I had subdermal hematomas under my stomach. I was bleeding, internal bleeding a lot. I had lost so much weight in so quick, like so little time, my body didn't recognize what was happening. Mm. So I guess there was a leak in the bypass. I'm probably leaking this dish that didn't heal properly. So it attacked my pancreas, my liver, my kidneys, and my left lung. So how did you get to the point where you died? So I died a little later, actually, towards the first month of me being in the hospital. Wow. I like I, One day I woke up and I felt like I had like a huge anvil on the left side of my of my body. So I'm thinking, hey, is this a stroke? First thing I did was wiggle my fingers and smile and like move everything. It wasn't a stroke. It's just my left side felt heavy and I couldn't move. I had to drag myself with my right side. I was using a cane to walk on my brain. And like they, they, they thought I was just being dramatic. No, it was bad. So it turns out as the bacteria was attacking my left lung, I had a double infectious, sorry, a double pneumonia and with an infectious abscess. Mm. And my lung, my left lung was as if somebody crumpled paper. Mm. That's how it was. It was like that. So, and they had to do an incision in my back and insert metal brackets. The worst thing about it was I got the gastric bypass done at Brooklyn Hospital, but the nearest emergency room was downstate. Mm. So instead of like, quickly operating or like say oh my gosh something's wrong he's dying they said we didn't do this gastric bypass we can't touch it wow and i'm like i'm not a fucking science project motherfucker you know like this is a human being this is me like save me mother i'm, I'm literally dying and um they said oh no we'll just schedule a quick transfer which it wasn't so quick this just goes to show you the american medical system eat a frank yeah um so they they got me into an ambulance. They rushed me to Brooklyn Hospital. I'm like, literally, and I don't remember some of this. This is what my sisters are telling me. Because um, I have five sisters, by the way. Yeah. And they were all, they're like fucking Power Rangers. I love them so much. And yeah. they don't listen to your podcast, but they will after this. I they love y'all. Oh yes. Um, and for the interest of time, I just want to know yeah. that moment where, I guess, you got to the point where you almost died or you mm -hmm. did die. So... After all that, they put me in a medically induced coma mm -hmm. to keep my body alive. Oh, my God. So as they were operating, I passed away. I flatlined. Like, Sherry, you remember this. You saw my father cry. I didn't see my father cry, but oh um, the hospital, like, the doctors were telling him there's, like, an 80% chance of me dying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to get my affairs in order, all that, blah, blah, blah. And um, so, sorry, in the interest of time. Um, so yeah, I died. I flatlined during the operation, during the lung operation. And, uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I remember something happening, but sometimes I want to say that it didn't happen. But the only thing I do remember is seeing my grandfather and my aunt, may they both rest in peace. Are you saying that you went to heaven? No, I don't think it's heaven because... But you saw some kind of afterlife. I saw, yeah. I feel like there's an afterlife for everyone what was it like to, so me it took me to a place in my <laughs> it took me to a place in my childhood in yemen before the war a little known fact about me before john jay i escaped yemen during the peak of the war what war is this for the this people is the that civil war so like okay. they had a huge problem with after a few years after the arab spring and um it was just bad. Everyone was doing it. Egypt, Tunisia, Bahrain, you know, most of the countries under dictatorship. Got, got, some of them got themselves into worse, even worse dictatorships. Yemen was one of them. Yemen is one of the biggest humanitarian crises of today with mm -hmm. cholera, starvation, all that. Long story short, there were like a lot of missiles, a lot of everything. And um, that's pretty bad. It's getting better now, slowly, slowly but surely. But yeah, yeah so like after that, so being in this so afterlife, limbo, whatever it I was. I know this doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It, it took me to a river that I used to play around as a kid. Wow. And it doesn't exist because one of the airstrikes completely turned it into a mini desert. It's drought. It's drought ridden. No water, no nothing. So and what it, did your, you said you saw your grandparents. I, what did they say to you? No, that's when I saw them in the hospital room. Okay. Like I, like I was like gone. 
Yeah. But for some reason, I was visualizing that hospital room and I saw them sitting down. Wow. And just like, you know, like, cheer, not cheering me on, but they were silent. They didn't say anything. And in the paranormal part of the Islamic culture and Arab culture, we have to look at the feet. Mm-hmm. If you see someone that is dead, you have to look at the feet. If the feet are backward or hoofed, like a pig or a donkey, it is a demon. Oh. Do not engage it. If you don't see their feet, if they're or if you see human feet, you can engage. Okay. Um. So yeah, so that's the first thing I did, and mind you, I lost my grandfather in 2012, and I lost my aunt in 2015. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. And um, so I was like, oh, you know, like I'm talking to them, and they're just like, my grandfather, he was very old, so he just gave me like also dementia. He also just he just gave me a th- like thumbs up. He had this beautiful cherry wood cane that he used to get. I can't say this word anymore, the Orient, but like he used to be like a merchant. So he went, you know, beautiful cherry wood cane with a gold dragon. So, yeah. So like I was like, wow. All right. So why does he have that? He's dead. Wow. So that's when it kind of hit me. Like, dude, I'm seeing dead people. Am I dead? Oh, my God. And then it instantly went to the river. And as you know, I speak a a little bit of a few languages. The only things I'm fluent in right now is Arabic, French, English, Spanish. Okay. Um... But every language that I know or have tried to learn, every voice I've heard in my life, that's the only way I can describe it. I heard them saying, it's not your time yet. Like in Arabic, I heard, I heard, you know, um, it's like, it just, in collective voices mm-hmm. saying, it's not your time. And I just woke up. Do you... Th- really think this was the afterlife or was it like a limbo of some sort? I think limbo. Yeah. Because the fact that it took me to a place of comfort. Wow. Because limbo... I, yeah, I, I guess limbo. That was the first time. Mm-hmm. The second time I died was when they were... When they had the metal bracket in my lung and my heart just almost gave up. It was just bad. Um... I remember seeing my family reacting. Mm-hmm. So, to simplify it, astral projection. What is that? <laughs> I saw my own body dead. Oh my gosh. They were in other rooms. They were in another room. I saw my mother holding me. I saw them arguing over, oh, I knew you. Oh, I knew I should have took him to Mount Sinai. They were like going at it. And I'm like, I'm seeing them argue and. I remember trying to comfort my mother, like, yo, yamma, gumi, which means, like, get up, gumi, gumi, mm-hmm. you know, um, like, trying to talk to her, and she's not listening. I'm like, why is she not listening? I'm like, right here. My mother's deaf in one ear, so I went to the good ear. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, she's not responding. And all I see is a doctor is rushing, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why do I see these doctors? Then it hit me. I'm like, am I dead again? The fact that I was able to be aware and say, again, yeah. kind of hit me. I'm like... Believe it or not, there were at times where there were times where I did want to die because mm-hmm. I saw Sherry, my girlfriend at the time. She was going to Kingsboro and working, and like she was doing all that travel, and I was like, I, I just couldn't help but feel like nothing but a burden. But that's not true. It no, it wasn't. It wasn't true, and that's that's where I knew I loved her. Yeah, because I woke up from that coma to seeing her speaking to my mother. I haven't introduced them yet. This is like to going towards the first year of us being together. And I'm intubated. I'm waking up from a coma. I see my mother talking to Sherry. I wasn't ready for that. Con- I went right the fuck back to sleep. <laughs> I closed my eyes. I was like this. Went right back again. <laughs> I was like, I was scared. I didn't know how to, you know. Nurse comes in saying, hey, we're seeing activity. You know, he's up. You know, is he up? And then she's like that. Because I had like a lot of wires to me. So slowly but surely I'm healing. They take out the tube. And at that time, my voice was like this, very hoarse. And, but, you know, slowly, but slowly, my girl was there every day. And I think that's what made my mother accept her. She, you know, because there is interfaith relationships in the Yemeni community. There is intercultural relationships, interracial relationships. My uncle had one. Yeah. Had a, has a whole son. I have a half Mexican, half Yemeni. I swear to God, his name is Donald Trump's worst nightmare. Oh. What's his name? I swear. <laughs> What's the name of the half Yemeni? Samir Alejandro Alcobadi Gonzalez. This motherfucker. This motherfucker walks in an airport. He's getting hit by ICE and TSA no. <laughs> and Homeland. 
No way. But so, first of all, I just want to say thank you. Yeah. Like, thank you for sharing that story because that is a story of survival. And I'm sure there's people who have been in comas or other near-death situations who have similar accounts or completely different ones but just hearing that from your perspective is insane and also something i took from that is literally like the aesthetic the physical whatever you think society wants from you it's not worth your life it's not it's not at all and bringing it back to your relationship with sherry yes how do you feel i don't think we've really got to touch on the worst thing that you've heard so oh from her and so from her side of the family um, during the f- not really the worst, but like, so from her side of the family, there would be times where like they would still try to set her up mm-hmm. with a guy, knowing oh, she's terrible. in a relationship. Very terrible, very toxic. On, but we won't get in. But, but we will get into that. But Sherry doesn't like it herself. She doesn't really look back on it. Uh, that's one. Oh, es no hombre dominicano. Tú necesitas un hombre un hombre dominicano. Blah blah blah. You know, asking if she's gonna be a Muslim and like. Yo, do you That's even know my so name, toxic. B? Like, do you even know my name? Let's like, talk about these toxic family members. How do you feel about the toxic family members? And how do you let that not inf- impact your relationship? Because there's probably other people listening. The same way I don't let my toxic family. Like, for example, there I have one sister. And you know who you are. When you, I'm going to send the link to you. Um, but you call it. She's like, oh, you really want to be with this girl? Like, you don't want to marry a Yemeni girl? Be with you. you don't want your kids to be Muslim? I'm like, my kids will be whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm simple as that because you're trying to force your idea of a happy relationship you know and i'm like exactly so fuck them so yeah exactly fuck them all but question about that will you want your kids to be muslim you are with a christian a a woman from a christian background i say this all the time my kids i will teach them the way i researched the decision will be honestly i'm gonna let kids be kids once they reach the teenage where they want to question things. I won't force any ideas on them. Mm. Because, for example, I know Muslims who weren't able to eat pork. And the first thing they did when they wanted to become ex-Muslims was eat a ham and cheese or a bacon, egg and cheese. That's not turkey or beef. Or some of them that were so indoctrinated not to drink alcohol. You know, they'll drink alcohol or smoke bud. So I don't, wanna, I don't want them to grow up in a hypocritical household. I want them to be able to enjoy their childhood. And once they become rebels and teenagers and adults... I want them to explore. So I'll teach them growing up so that the, so that way they're not ignorant. If they have questions, I'm always there. The fact that I chose to be Muslim, alhamdulillah, you know, God bless, doesn't mean they have to. Although mm-hmm. it's more preferred in my religion and culture, it's so is knowledge. Knowledge is one of the, our key parts of our religion. We must seek knowledge. So I'll teach them. All three monotheistic religions, I'll teach them the, the you know, the basis of all. Because the basis of all is just Treat one as you wish to be treated. Be a, a good person all around, you know. Simple as that. hundred percent. You know. So my kids don't have to be Muslim. Yeah. You know, I'll teach them. They'll make that decision. That's beautiful. I, I agree. I think allowing kids to be kids and and just giving them that education. Because that's yeah. the most we can give. Because a lot of people think when they have kids that it's almost like they're creating a carbon copy of themselves or an extension of themselves. But you're creating a human mm-hmm. who you should want to make their own decisions. And eventually, if you raise them well, hopefully they'll make the best decisions they and can. This is a, yes, I agree. This is another thing I say. What they're going to do, they're going to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Whether in your knowledge or without. Whether in your presence or without. And when you're dead and gone... They're probably going to do everything you told them not to do. Yeah. So let it happen as it happens. That's beautiful. Now, our last segment before, well, our second to last segment is about a harsh truth. Is there anything that you've learned in recent years through all your experiences that maybe even through your relationship that served you with a harsh truth? If you're healthy, if you're happy. Stay happy. If you don't like a part about yourself, work on it to change it. Don't put yourself at risk to satiate society's standard of beauty. 100%. Because it cost me my life. Twice. And I'm grateful. I, I thank God every day that I'm back on my feet. Being able to hug Sherry once again. Being able to kiss my mother on her forehead. 
be able to fast Ramadan with my family again. Love isn't perfection. Mm-hmm. Love isn't perfect. There will be compromise. There will be times where you guys are on the verge of breaking up. Literally. But when you picture life without them, and it's not it, like, there's a difference between becoming dependent or codependent or just noticing that I don't want to live life without them. It's not that I want to depend on them. It's that I want them to be my partner for the rest of my life. I love this person. This is my person. Yeah. Love is imperfectly perfect. Because without it, what are we? That's that's a great note to end on. Okay. I agree 100%. Yeah. And thank you so much for being so transparent, so vulnerable on everything. And I mean, we can go on and on and on because there's so many layers. Just the the intensity that you experience in the hospital and your beautiful love story that's intercultural and interfaith and you guys just seem to rise above the odds so i am so hopeful for you guys and your love journey and i know that you're invited to all the weddings yes i'm invited to the wedding so i think you mentioned this earlier but if you'd like to plug your social media or any account or anything that you'd like to plug this is the time actually this is gonna sound corny but it's not gonna be my social media it's gonna be her business page on instagram ah Um, get you a man that plugs your business page come on now so sh canvases on instagram uh, she, you know, she does like custom, she does commissions and yeah, she does a lot of great artwork. It's SH canvases on Instagram. Yes. Support. Um, so has there been a song that you've been listening to? We always do our song of the pod. So we'll just pick a song to lead people out to. What's nah, this? My walkout music later, like lately at the gym. Okay. Or at work. Chambea by Bad Bunny. Chambea. Okay. Yeah. Let's get that. I have a very... Huge playlist of those. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Yusuf. The pleasure's all mine. For it was I'm like- amazing to have you. And as a reminder to those of you listening, please listen to at Bronx Girl. Please follow us at Bronx Girl at Heart Podcast on Instagram. And make sure to listen next time. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>